to uh, Psalm 127. Uh, as mentioned earlier, we will uh, just be uh, preaching on um, 127 today. Notice that the title of this um, of this psalm, or the title of this message, is uh, "Family for the Journey." Keep in mind that uh, that these uh, individuals who were were saying, praying these uh, songs, these hymns, these psalms. Uh, were on their way to Jerusalem. They were likely there uh, on their journey for these various uh, feasts that would occur three times a year. And these were the, the songs that would lift up their hearts, that would carry them along, and they would be, they would be singing these, um, no doubt, in, in, uh, in, in harmony as they traveled. And, and this one today I'm, I'm calling uh, Family for the Journey. We too are on a journey um, to our celestial home, our heavenly home, and the Lord uh, graciously provides families for us. And so this is a, an unusual song, uh, uh, but it's where we're, we're considering today um, the, um, the, the blessings of, of families. Uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of God. This is a somewhat unusual psalm uh, in that it is uh, more of what we might classify as wisdom literature. Uh, There are two distinct paths that are laid out, similar to the first psalm, uh, two directions on which people can travel. And, and the, the first is, is independence from God. We see that in the first two verses. And then dependence on God, we see in the latter three verses. There is, as the psalm opens up, uh, a building of a house. There is a protection of a living space of a watchman looking over a city. There is a watchman seeking security. And then there is hard work. People who diligent, like most of us, very concerned to work hard. These are good things. But unless, but unless God, uh, they are good unless God is not in the building and the watching and the working. You can then be in frantic mode, uh, in fruitless building, and all the effort in the world can be for vain, in vain, and your building and watching and working lead only to trauma, lead only to desperation. Well, let's consider then, verses 1 and 2, the futility of life without God. Again, these three examples of independent living, the house that is being built, it, it may very well be simply a... a, 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 a a wooden structure, a stone structure, but it also implies the building of a family. 
So neither one of those is possible without God in the mix. The watchman's vigilance doesn't guarantee safety at all. He can doze off in the middle of the night. There could be camouflage soldiers that are making their way across the field and, and could surprise the city. His, his presence doesn't guarantee anything. Now Solomon, in all his wisdom, the writer of this psalm, uh, Solomon, in all his wisdom, never discovered the genius of his own words. He, he lost what he had built. He lost what God had given to him. Upon his death, Rehoboam and Jeroboam split the kingdom. It never regained its luster as, as experienced in the time of Solomon. And of course, his family life was a disaster as his heart was always being brought towards not only women, but their false gods. And so this psalm has the ring of Ecclesiastes, uh, all is vanity in this life under the sun, a refrain from Ecclesiastes. And that's really what you pick up here in these first two verses. And then the reference to work. There's an anxiety about our work if we are not working independence on the Lord. There's an anxiety in our work. We put in long hours uh, in quiet desperation, and even at night we can't turn the motor off. The heart is simply not at rest. It is meaningless. It is counterproductive to burn the candle at both ends. You see, work doesn't guarantee success. You can work hard and still be anxious. Am I doing enough? I've had that in my own motor. One more email send out. One more call to make. Uh, and then there's a quarterly review for some of you that comes up. How am I, how am I going to do? And so you are, you are desperate in your work. Well, then let's consider working in dependence on God. Don't stop building. Uh, build the house in faith as God does the building. Uh, reading through De- Deuteronomy recently, I came across, once again, those phrases about, about people who were building a house and, the, and, then, and, then, and if you are going to have a dedication, do this. A dedication of the house. That's something that some people in, in various Christian cultures still do. I remember a friend of mine, when she, uh, she and her husband bought a house, we were invited over to, to pray in each one of their rooms. We've never had a party to dedicate a house before. But that is something that evidently was practiced. And it's a way of saying that, that my house is not maybe going to be the biggest one on the block. It's not going to be the most, the most luxurious one on the block at all. But God will be there, and it will be, an island of hospitality for people in, this, in our neighborhood. And that's building a house for God and with God. Watching over the city. We don't literally do that now, but watching over the city includes protecting your family and building for the future. And that's a hard thing to do right now. People, it is not a good time to retire from a nice job. And depend on a pension that is being fed by a stock market that is going like this. It's not a good time for the incoming pastor to sell his house there and buy one here. So what do we do? The psalm is, um, Psalm 121 is delightful in this respect. 
We trust God with the outcome. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from, from, where, from whence the, the, Lord, the, the help comes. Um, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will neither slumber nor sleep. We trust in the Lord who gives rest from our toil. We trust in the Lord who gives us sleep. You can sleep. I can sleep because God doesn't. We can rest because God doesn't. He does not nod off and leave us behind. We enjoy what you might call a daily Sabbath, a daily time of rest, of putting aside the concerns of the world and resting in the promises of God, the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the promise of heaven, and simply say, Lord, you're going to have to deal with this because I, I, I don't have the bandwidth or the horsepower. You enjoy your Sabbath. Well, that's, that's, those are some choices that we make in this world. The Lord is, the Lord is telling in this psalm that there is, there is great um, temptation to live without depending on the Lord, but to live then in this frantic mode and in this overwork mode and, and, and building and, and seeking to protect yourself without dependence on God. And then, and then there is a sharp turn at verse 3. It's almost like there are two different psalms here. And why is that? I, I think it's because the psalmist is going from vanity, first two verses, to anti-vanity, verses 3 through 5. The very opposite. He's going from meaninglessness in the first two verses to something that is very meaningful and precious. It is the way of the Lord. The blessings of life with God as we're on our journey in our families, on our way to the new heavens and the new earth. And as we open up this passage, these, these last three verses here, blessed uh, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of, a, of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and so forth. There is a stark difference in the way this psalm describes children from what our modern view is. Um, one of the things you hear frequently when people are talking about whether or not to have children well, they cost so much. I can remember my wife responding to someone who made a comment like that at one point, and she said, well, not that much when you consider how long they last. <laughs> but they are costly. There's no doubt about that. And there is an inconvenience. Uh, there is inter inter interrupted sleep. There is a rewriting of the budget to make, make room for these additional bodies. Of course there is a cost. Of course you have to throttle back on your self-indulgence. But the Lord is telling us that there are really good reasons for doing so. This is a radical psalm as it describes the nature of, of our children. Um, you give birth Simply put, you give birth to God's children and you raise God's children. Throughout church history, uh, three purposes for marriage have been taught by, by theologians through in every age. 
Uh, it is crystallized beautifully in our Westminster Confession of Faith. Three purposes for marriage. The first is for mutual help. I love that. Uh, the divines uh, in the in the um, in, in the 1600s had enough sense to, to realize that there is a mutuality to the help. The man helps the woman, the woman helps the man, and they both become um, better able to live in that unity and in the preciousness of that relationship. For mutual help, secondly, is to keep from sexual uncleanness. Uh, this is um, should be obvious in a day when uh, sexually transmitted diseases uh, occur as frequently as the common cold among many populations in our world. The third, however, is holy seed. The third purpose for, for marriage is to produce holy seed. We conceive and raise children for God. They are His. This is something that Malachi uh, describes in the second chapter of his prophecy, where there uh, the Lord is, is visiting with His people with, with great distress for the way that they have been they have been disrespecting the, uh, the um, relationship of marriage and there had been easy divorce. People were leaving the wives of their youth and they were marrying foreign women. Uh, and the, and, and the, great, the great consternation of God is that what, are, what you are doing is cutting off the supply of godly offspring. Children... Are considered the question. Uh, the question that Malachi asked: What was God seeking? What was God seeking as He's speaking to these people about marriage? He says, simply put, godly offspring. And so the psalm opens up: the children are a God-given inheritance. They are an inheritance from God. They're also a reward. First of all, as uh, as Esau, you remember, said to Jacob, "Who are all these people? These brothers were meeting after a long time being separate." And, 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 uh, and Esau says, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. I, I love that response. It is, it is one of, of submission to the Lord. It is one of thanksgiving to the Lord. But I'm sorry to say it's also at odds with what many people say about their own children. I've heard parents bad talk their children and and it's distressing. I know that our kids have problems, but we, we, must, we must be prayers and, and, and remember that they are still uh, from the Lord. Our children are God-given, a God-given reward. The fruit of the womb, it says here, is your reward. It is a blessing from God. Of course, in the Old Testament, part of God's covenant blessing and covenant prosperity was having many children, having, having crops, uh, having uh, uh, the vines heavy with grapes and so forth. I think it is uh, hard-pressed to say that somehow in the New Covenant, children are not an equal, if not a more, a greater blessing. One of the things uh, that Christopher Ash uh, has said about this at, as the, that uh, children, in a way, help us grow up. Um, we just have to put others first. We can't live a self-centered life and be, a, be an effective parent or a happy parent. It doesn't work that way. Christopher Ash said this, A fresh one comes into the house. One of the blessings of marriage, a fresh one, a new one, a newborn, comes into the house, and you don't know what you're getting. 
You don't know what kind of personality he or she will have. You don't know their giftedness. You don't know their, their struggles that they'll have. But you welcome them in the home and you say, God, you've given me this child and I'm going to do my best with your help to raise and nourish this child's faith and, and help them mature in, in every way. Christopher Ash is saying that's, that's part of the beauty of marriage. You don't know what you're getting. You have to depend on the Lord. And this gives fresh insight into God's self-giving love for us. Well, the, 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 another angle of this psalm is that kids, kids are um, God's children in our homes um, um, are, are a responsibility. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's hard. But they are also an advantage. See how useful they are. Uh, they, these sons help their dad as he goes into battle. They are what, who would go into a battle without arrows? They help their dad as he goes uh, to the, the court uh, to uh, untangle a, a particular legal matter. They were advocates for him. These arrows, these arrow kids were advocates for their father. It, they were both useful and necessary, and that is both beautiful and obvious. Yes, uh, there is a responsibility that before they become this advantage, <laughs> a responsibility before they become this advantageous to us, we care for them um, literally uh, from uh, diapers to diploma, and we actually do some parenting after if they've gone to school after they graduate from school. Um, they arrive on the scene helpless. They can do literally... They, they, the only thing they do is breathe and eat and poop and they're just waiting for you and cry and they're waiting for you to clean it all up. So they are completely dependent upon us. The advantage is later. It is then when kids provide security and care for their parents... Um, you see, the kids here are an advocate for their fathers against the enemies at the city gate. And so this is a natural, uh, never-ending cycle about how life works. Parents do that hard work of, 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 of birthing and, and raising these children. And then the children are around in order, and this is biblical, by the way, in order to care for their Parents, a never-ending cycle. It's how life works. Do you remember the phrase in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that says, if you do not care for your family, you are worse than an infidel? you remember that phrase? you remember that verse? For the longest time, I, I viewed that uh, as and had in the back of my mind that the primary application of that was deadbeat dads. People who have kids and then wander away and just ignore them and don't care for them. But if you look more closely at the, at the context, you'll see that it is, it is the, the children that are, being dis, that are being talked about as being responsible for their aging parents. It, it goes, uh, verse 4 in that chapter says, Make some return to your parents. First Peter, or First Timothy Chapter 4. The kids provide then a, a measure of, of security and care for their parents. 
Uh, there is a protection against loneliness uh, and even against abandonment. When Gloria called Gail uh, back uh, in June of last year, she wanted, listen to this, she wanted to come home. She had never lived in New Jersey before, but she wanted to come home because this was where her daughter was. She never lived in New Jersey, but Gail was home. And for us, it was hard, but it was brief. It was good. It was good for us to pay that price to care for this woman who in so many ways cared for not only Gail, but for myself as well through the years. Kids provide security and care for their parents. Do you see how wise God is in the way he sets up the family? Well, just a couple of points of application before, as we close here. One, one is that um, every good gift, every good thing that you enjoy, whether it is food, shelter, security, or family, every one of those good things are gifts from God. Success comes from God and not from your own efforts. Of course you are to work hard. Of course you are to be diligent. Of course, but you are also to depend upon God. We think of that great phrase, that little saying, you hammer stoutly but pray devoutly. You do both. You do both. You work hard, but you pray in dependence on the Lord. You work hard, and maybe this is something that many of us need to hear. (laughs) You work hard, but know when to turn it off. And when you're off the clock, you're off the clock. I think I'm saying that with a measure of passion because sometimes I've had a problem along those lines that my wife has kindly pointed out to me. Ecclesiastes, however, calls us to work hard, be diligent in your calling, but then it's beautiful. There's a recurring theme throughout the, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Punch out, it doesn't perhaps use that language, but punch out, go home, uh, enjoy your dinner, enjoy a glass of wine, enjoy the wife of your youth. For there's nothing else, Ecclesiastes is saying, that makes sense in this life. That's how you do it. Work hard, but then rest and enjoy the good gifts that God has given to you. Uh, when you come home. Now, is this a 100% guarantee uh, that, uh, that everyone will receive these blessings? Everyone who loves the Lord will be blessed with a spouse and with a large number of children. Is it a promise that everyone will receive a, a good solid eight hours of sleep a night with, with great REM sleep? It, it's, it's not that simple. It's not automatic. But one of the great blessings that we see in the scriptures is that the one who is single um, can restore a hundred times more of this life. One who is persecuted, one who is single, brought into a family where they have, they have uh, loved ones more than you could ever count in a biological family. That's one of your blessings, perhaps one of the greatest. The second thing is, a reminder here, is that Jesus never fails to build his house. Uh, David wanted to build a house for the Lord, you recall. 
And the Lord said, no, you may not. Your hands are bloody. Solomon must do it. And then he turns the table on David and he says, I will build you a house. I don't, you don't need to build one for me. Solomon will take care of that, but I'm going to build you a house. And what is the house that God said he would build for David? It is, it is the household of faith. It is the lineage from which our Lord Jesus Christ comes that would form a new humanity for the glory of God. God's, or David's greater son would build a house for God. And this is the fulfillment, of course, of Abraham's descendants, a nation without number. And all of that is fulfilled in Jesus, the offspring promised in Genesis and echoed in Galatians, through whom all would come to believe by the sovereign grace of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the beauty of this psalm. Uh, We thank you that uh, you grant us uh, much wisdom here. You grant us much wisdom, what to do and what not to do in how we live our lives. And so we ask that you would grant to each of us the wisdom and the grace to, uh, to, uh, to live out the details of this psalm. Lord, we want, we want to be hard workers, and that's a good thing, but we also need to know when to rest. Each thing, each thing in its time and in its place. We pray that in our, in our church congregation, we would be, we would be a community of people who, who, who value children highly and who are committed to teach them, to encourage them. We pray for the Sunday school teachers in our, in our congregation. We pray for parents who disciple their children. We pray that they would not give up. They would not give up. Um, we, we ask, Lord, that, that they would be steadfast and immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord their labor is not in vain. We pray for those who have adult children. Um, we pray for that you would grant us in that demographic, that we would be ceaseless in our prayers for them, and that we would uh, be wise and, and look for opportunities to share your word with them. Uh, maybe not in an overt uh, preaching style, but some, in some way praying for wisdom to be able to give the, the, the perspective of your word. We pray for the Spirit's work in our lives as parents, in our lives as adults, in our lives, Lord, as we, as we seek to um, influence and raise and, and give a vision of godliness and wisdom to the children growing up in this desperately blind culture. Pray that the beauty of your commands, the beauty of the lifestyle to which you call us, would shine forth from our homes and from our churches. Let us not be weary in well-doing. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.